This morning, I'm going to begin in Matthew 25. This is where Dan was last week. Yesterday, I was at the send-off for Dan Holsoppel, for those of you who know Dan. And uh, at the end of the of the uh, send-off, uh, Warren, Warren and Pan Summer's son, Jesse, sang a song I never heard before, apparently. I'm out of the loop when it comes to contemporary Christian music. But there was a song called uh, Well Done, if any of you have heard that, uh, by the actors. I sent it to you, I don't know if you did. It was a beautiful song, and uh, I'm not going to play it because I don't have the uh, any speakers to hook up to it today. So, but it, some of the words to it uh, were very touching. It says, "What will it be like?" When the angels are around the throne, crying, "Holy!" And Jesus saying the words. We waited to hear our old life. Well done. Enter into the place I prepared for you. You will be face to face. Matthew 25, verse 13. Um, Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling in a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one each according to his own ability. Immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. Verse 21, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, it kind of fast forwarded you to each, to each of us into our life to that, that time when we're going to be done here. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes that our life is but a vapor. It's here and then all of a sudden we vanish, we're done here. And each of us has that reality that we're going to stand before him face to face. And <clears throat> us waiting, us hearing that Jesus saying to us, well done. 
I've been waiting to hear that all our Christian life. For me, I've been a believer since 1980, some 42 years. And you know, it kind of just reminded me of that yesterday. And to refocus, so this is what it's really all about. That day. There's one day, and that's the day. That's the day that we're looking to. That's the day where we're, we're, our focus should be on. Because you know, everyday life can seem to be so challenging and so, and it is, it's very challenging. And there's so many distractions, so many things going on in our lives. And that kind of, that reality kind of fades away. And that's where I was yesterday when I heard that song. It's kind of, there's so many things going on and just focusing on today and tomorrow and the next day. And you forget, you know, this is all going to be done. You, got, you know, that there's a day that we're waiting and focus on, on to hear. That we're waiting all our Christian life to hear whether we remember that or not. There's that day. And yesterday, people got up and gave, some I didn't even know, people that got up and gave testimonies of Dan. Dan had been a believer for a long time. And there was a woman who got up who was uh, one of his uh, bosses, I guess. And she got up from his work and she gave a testimony of Dan's, how Dan lived around all those people. It was good to hear. And how, how kind and gentle he was to all the people around him and faithful, a faithful Christian witness is what they observed. There was no tears for Dan. The only tears were for them missing him. But no tears for where he was going, where he was headed. To those who are in the Lord, there's no, there's no sorrow for them at their passing. For us, there's sorrow, but for them, there's no sorrow. They're going to a better place. They're going to their reward. Verse 34. And then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the Lord. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when will you see you hungry, feed you thirsty, and give you drink? When you're a stranger and took you in, and naked and clothed you, sick or in prison and came to you. And then the king will answer, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it unto me. There is a reward for serving Jesus Christ. There is a reward for faith in God. When we have faith in Christ, it changes us. And we become this person 
that Jesus is talking about. Our focus, our whole life changes. Conversion is real. A change of heart is real. And you see what Jesus says to those whose hearts are converted. You know, you are about my Father's business. In as much as you did it to the very least, the very weakest, the very strangest, the most poorly clothed of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus said in another place, Behold, I bestow upon you a kingdom. I'm giving you a kingdom. He's giving it to us. And that's what our focus should be. Not on the things of this life. Not on stockpiling the American dream or any of the other stuff. There's a kingdom. There's a kingdom that's coming. It's not pie in the sky. It's not the great pumpkin with Charlie Brown and Linus. It's not any of those things. It's the kingdom of God. Fear not, little flock. It is a Father's good pleasure to give to you and to me a kingdom. The kingdom of God will be given to us, His children. Inherit the kingdom. It's an inheritance. Inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And there we go to Luke chapter 12. Beginning in verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Kingdom, power, and authority. Backwards in the book of Luke, chapter 6. Verse 45. Luke 6, 45. Dave, if you could read from verse uh, uh, 45 to 49. 
A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house, and he could not shake it, and, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Mm -hmm. In this, Jesus talks about a good tree and a bad tree. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. I remember when I was a kid, we had a hickory trees, and we used to eat the nuts off of them. And then one time, well, I was at a park, and there was a hickory tree there, and I got some of the nuts off, and I brought them home, and they were as bitter as poison. I was like, what in the world's wrong with that tree? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that what's the difference between a good tree and a bad tree? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart. Brings treasure out of the heart. A good man brings good treasure out of his heart. An evil man brings evil treasure out of his heart. This is a very strong language, but what does it mean? Jesus said that there is no one good except God. So if that's true, then we're all, sh we're all shot. We're all lost. And that's why we need a Savior. To change our hearts. To, to save us from ourselves. To save us from the corruption. The sin from our own hearts. To bring forth the good fruit of the Spirit. That's why we need Christ. That's why we need to be converted. That's why we need to be, we use the word saved. Saved from what? Saved from who? Saved from ourselves, from the corruption within. Saved from the way of the world, the corruption of this world, and all that's in it. And saved from the enemy of our soul, delivered from him. And he talks about the wise man who hears what Jesus says and lives it out. We can't live it out without that change on the inside. We must be converted, Jesus said, and become like little children. But there's no way we'll enter the kingdom of God. And that happens through faith and deliverance for what Jesus did on the cross. And we remind ourselves of that when we read this. And Jesus says, well, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? And we know that those whose hearts are converted, they know that there is a responsibility and a guidance in a way that leads to eternal life. And it's paved by the things that Jesus told us to do. Because they're for our good. It's the right way. It's that straight and narrow road that leads to eternal life. Jesus said, follow me. He who follows me will not be in darkness. 
And that straight and narrow road that leads to that place of being well done, of being told, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the enter into the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From there we go to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, you read verses 8 to 10. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And when he went out, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Okay, and then continue from verses 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay. This was the focus of Abraham and, the, and many of the fathers, that they were looking for a city. Abraham left civilization of Babylon and the... And that whole civilized area and went to a much more barbaric area where God sent him to. And instead of living in palaces and, and beautiful houses, they had to live in tents in a strange land that they didn't know. It was a, and it was that land that became, of course, the land of Canaan, which became, ultimately became the land of Israel. But in that, God was promising them a promise that they would have a city whose builder was God himself. The beginning of the promises of God <clears throat> concerning a final home. The covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and continued down through Jesus, Son of God in the New Covenant. That we are strangers and pilgrims in the earth. We're, we're traveling through or passing through here. That's why we don't seek a kingdom here on this earth. Our own little fiefdom. That's not why we're not looking for any of those things. We have our eyes set on a heavenly home. And we're passing through. We have no continuing place here. 
we are desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. That's the vision that God gives to us who are in Christ. But there's something, that there is something greater than all this. Thank God. There's something greater than this world. That there is a, there is a kingdom of God that's coming. And that God will establish that. And we focus on that even now here today. That all that we're doing, all that we're living now, is with that in mind. That we have no continuing place here. We have no nation, continuing nation here. Our nation is the what Peter says, you are a royal nation, a heavenly priesthood. The children of God. Who inherit the kingdom of God. And then we go uh, later in Hebrews 11, verses uh, 23. To twenty, um, to twenty-seven. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is a life of faith. And for you, if you are young, and you don't know about, about what to do with your life or what you believe or any of these other things, this is a message about the world we live in. Because there are so many things that can entrap us and draw us and divert us from this truth. That here is a man who is the son of Pharaoh's daughter, raised in, in Pharaoh's courts. And he refused to accept the pleasures of sin for a short time. Because our life is for a short time here. No matter how long we make it. Eternity's forever. There's no end to eternity. But it's set in the things of this life and what we believe and what we follow and who we follow. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he looked to reward. He had a vision of the reward. That God was giving to him a kingdom and to us a kingdom. He rejected the way of this world and the, the pleasures and the riches and the things of this world for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Hmm. 
So from there, I'm going to go through a few quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 5. And if anyone competes in athletics, he's not, com he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. <clears throat> Second Corinthian, I mean Second Timothy four, verses six to eight. Dave, if you want to read that. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The crown, the reward that we receive through the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And he talks here about fighting the fight. The good fight. It's a good fight. If we have faith in Christ. We're going to win faith in Christ. We'll be victorious through faith in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus which cleanses from all sin. And as we follow Him and fight the good fight of faith, you hear Paul at the, at the end of his life, I've run the race. I've won. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the faith. Finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. In the book of Revelation, it says that God makes us of kingdom, kings and priests in the kingdom of God. Royalty, the children of God. There's something waiting for us to continue in Christ. There is great reward. People who don't see it, they don't get it, they think we're crazy. It's okay. For them, I say, come on in, the water's fine. Come on in. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavily laden. I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon you and learn of me. You'll find rest for your soul in me. Eternal life. He who, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, everything. The kingdom of God. It's an all or nothing proposition. You get it all. You get judgment. Paul says it's not just me that's getting this crown. This is all those who love is appearing. And the book of Revelation talks about People who are hiding themselves because Jesus and His return is coming and they fear Him. They fear the face of Him who sits on the throne. Not us. Not us who love is appearing. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Bible says 
He cleanses us from all unrighteousness to make us fit to be before Him. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Look at James chapter 1. It says, Blessed is he who endures temptation. For when he is tried or approved or tested, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, how can you love somebody you never met face to face? Oh, we will, whether we love him or not. There will be a meeting. With all. God created all life and all life will return to Him and give answer. We love Him because we believe He first loved us and gave Himself for us. He demonstrated His love towards us by dying on the cross for us. And those who believe this message will find great deliverance and the power to overcome all temptation. Blessed is he who endures temptation. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The promise of God to those who love him. First Peter chapter 5 says this. In verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Crown of glory. In 1 Timothy, you can just listen, these are short. Chapter 6, it says... This is a little longer, actually. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which have strayed from the faith and their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and patience, gentleness. Here it is now. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life that you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Talking again, Paul talking again about a fight. And and he talks about being a good fight, but he says, fight the good fight of faith. We are fighting for something we do not yet see. But we believe it. Because we believe God's Word. We believe He said it. And He promised it. And God is not a liar. And what He says... 
is going to deliver on. Revelation chapter 2 says, I'm doing a quick tour here. Revelation chapter 2. Set in verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. And then the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. But to a suffering church, it's faithfulness even in the time of tribulation. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 11. Verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. promise of a crown, the promise of a kingdom, the promise of a city, the new Jerusalem, the promise of living forever in this place, this great place, where there's no tears, no crying, none of those things. And finally, the last one is in Romans 13, beginning in verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I think about, every time I think of this statement, as I mentioned earlier, it's been, my journey has been 42 years. It's not over yet. I don't know how long it's going to be. But one thing I do know, I'm closer than I was in 1980 when I started. My, self, my coming face to face before God is closer than then. And there's no guarantee of tomorrow, no matter how old or young we are. But we will, we will see him face to face. The Bible says we don't know what we will be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. Yep. That day's coming for all of us. And it's closer. The kingdom of Jesus' return is getting closer. The kingdom of God being established is getting closer. Us being face to face. Every one of us who has is believer is a believer. We're closer, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. We're getting closer to being face to face with Him. And that's something we should meditate on. Because it really changes our outlook. 
our day-to-day -day outlook. We focus on that. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or wild living and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, arguing and fighting and jealousy and all the stuff that's on the inside that in Christ we're delivered from, called the walk-in. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh of its lust. And Paul here is saying the kingdom of God is near. We're closer every day. Put off the old way of life. And he says, don't make any opportunity for the flesh. Don't play games with the flesh. Don't be in, don't let yourself be enticed. Let us walk properly. What's properly? The Bible says we should live as Christ lived. Well, that's something that God has provided for us to be able to do. That's why it says put on Christ. When we are converted to Christ, when He changes us on the inside, when we're delivered and we're born of the Spirit, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We are new on the inside. And he says, put it on. Walk in it. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in this new life. Don't make any provision for the flesh. Not even a little bit. Well, that's impossible. Well, if we have no target, we're going to be aimless. And this is the, way, this is the direction God has called us to. Not an aimless life. And I guess I forgot one that's similar to this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The end of the chapter, he says, No man who competes in athletics... Um, I better read it. Let me get it out. Oh, there it is. First Corinthians chapter nine. Thought I I'll just refresh my memory here. Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone competes for the prize, is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run this way, not with uncertainty, not aimless. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave. That when I preach to others, I myself should not become a castaway. You know, I remember back, many years back, in the Olympics or some sort of track meet, Similar to that, there was this guy, I forget his name, I think it was Nehemiah Johnson, 
he was running in a hurdle race, track hurdle race, and he won the gold medal. But then they gave him a saliva test, and they found out that he had taken he had, he had taken some sort of stimulant or some sort of steroid, some sort that gave him an unfair edge. He broke the rules. And when they found out, they took the gold medal away from him and gave it to the runner-up. He didn't run according to the rules. He lost the crown. He lost the gold medal. And so this is the kind of thing that Paul's talking about here and speaking to us. We have to run the race God's way, not our own way. Not every man doing which is right in our eyes. Saying, well, this is the way I think it should be. This is what I think a Christian should do. God's way. God's word, God's way. Not every man doing that which is right in their own eyes. But following the, 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 the path that God has laid out for us in his word. You don't receive the prize unless you run the race according to the rules. That's simple enough for anybody to understand. And he talks about disciplining his body and making him a slave. Why? Because one thing is very clear to all of us who are in Christ. That our body does not want to go the way of the rules. God's rules. So we have to make it Bring it into subjection. Make it our servant. Not serve our body, but make our birdie body serve us and serve God. But he talks again about a crown. And there it is laid out before us. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Whatever our starting point is, whatever day that was, when we first believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and for somebody here today, maybe today is that day, to embrace and believe the message of Jesus Christ and say, I am going to live for Him because it's true and it's right and that's the way I'm going to follow. Come what may, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. For you, today might be that day. It hasn't happened already. Jesus says, He who comes to me, there is no way I'll cast him out. It is the way to peace in this life, to healing inside and out, healing of the mind, of the spirit, of our emotions, of trauma many things on the inside. Forgiveness of our sins and the guilt that comes with it. That burden. And Jesus says, come to me all you are heavily burdened. It's not just the things of this life. It's also the guilt that we know that we're not, that we, we are all sinners. That we've sinned. We're not unique in being a sinner. We all have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short to the, of the glory of God. Jesus says, come to me, I'll cleanse you. I'll make you what I want you to be. Let me, let me have your, my way with you. And I'll make you a new creation. 
And for us who are believers and have taken that step, for us, every second that ticks, every day that goes by, every sunset, every sunrise, we're getting closer to that day. And it's nothing to fear in Christ. It's something that we should be focusing on and looking forward to. It's a good thing. Because if we focus on that, it puts everything in order in our life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you be risen with Christ, focus not on the things of this life. Focus on the things of the kingdom of God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, he shall appear with him in glory. If you be raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. A focus of that day that we're looking forward to. Looking to the well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want to hear? Isn't that what we should be thinking about today? Even if we live another 20, 30, 50 years? Isn't that what our focus should be on? Because it's the beginning of eternity that day. Some of us feel a little closer to it than others. But the fact is, none of us really knows when it is for each of us. There is a pointed for man once to die. We each have an appointment. There's an appointment book. And each of us has that appointment. To be face to face with our Creator, our Master, our Lord, our Savior. He gave His life for us. Face to face and eye to eye. 